everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Because We Went to Therapy podcast. I'm Emily. And I'm Ashley. And before we get into the content of today's episode, we wanted to do another Actually Curious question. So, Ashley, take it over. Yes, Emily, I'm excited to hear your answer. What did 12-year-old you want to be when you grew up? (laughs) Do you have guesses? Or are you just... Let me think. I feel like a pop star or something. Literally the, I don't fur- know. the furthest thing from it. I wanted to be a teacher. Oh, really? Yeah, my whole life, actually, until I was oh, about... Oh, yeah, you went to school for teaching. Well, I started. Yeah, I started out at U of I for teaching. My whole life, I wanted to be a teacher because I loved, still do, love kids and wanted to. Um, I nannied literally from, from 12 years old until... My senior year of college, so until I was literally like 21, I nannied. Um, so I always was like, Oh, I'll take this to the next level. And uh, actually, I nannied post grad too. I forgot about that. My gap year, which we've talked about many yeah. times. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so I wanted to be a teacher, and then I did a student teaching program in high school, and I hated it. Shout out to all the teachers out there because. You all are saints and deserve a raise because I don't know how you do it. So Yes, it's such um, a thankless job. Literally. But so we're thanking you right now if any teachers are listening because we know it's hard, especially here in Arizona. Oh yeah, teachers do not get paid enough. It's absolutely insane how low teachers are paid and how many hours they have to work and what they have to go through. I very much empathize with teachers so thank you to all our teachers my sister-in-law's a teacher and she's amazing so love that so what about you Ashley when I was 12 what was that like sixth grade Mm -hmm. I think I had just gotten over wanting to be a basketball player excuse me what I played basketball for like two years, but I had asthma really bad when I was a kid, so I had to stop because I was like always getting sick and I would get bronchitis and pneumonia every winter during the basketball season, so I had to stop. (laughs) So I Uh, gave up. Ashley, I'm sorry, but not making fun of you, but you getting (laughs) pneumonia and bronchitis and asthma during basketball is totally you I know you're a fitness instructor now but it's, it's so, so on brand it's, it's so incredibly on brand for me so you know what technically I achieved my goal of being a professional athlete I like to call myself because I get paid to work out so you know the dream is still alive but I think I also wanted to be a writer like write books because I was always like carrying around this orange binder with me and writing stories and like showing it to my family probably up until like middle school. And that's something I still want to do. Like, I know I've talked about it a million times. I absolutely love reading and I don't know, maybe look out for my debut novel. We'll see. You know, I actually wanted to be a writer too. I wanted to, like that was later on. I wanted to be a journalist um, Mm -hmm. and work for the New York Times. That was always, like, my dream. Um, And I used to write short stories, too. And I think I will write a book one day. Um, But got to have the podcast take Do you think it'll be, like, a mental health book or, like, a fiction? No, it'll be – so 
okay, I guess I'll get into it. I really want to write a trauma a trauma book. Um, so like a mental health, like the different types of responses to trauma. Like I know we have a lot of information out there, but I want to go even like deeper and do more research into that. And then I also kind of want to write a book around um, kind of similar, but it's going to be more, it's going to be generational trauma based. And I'm going to, I want to, I don't know if it's going to happen, but I want to talk about all the generational trauma that exists in my family like, not a tell-all book, because I know that sounds bad, but, like, kind of like a tell-all book where we talk about all, yeah. the cr- all the crap that my family's been through and how, you know, my g- generation is breaking cycles. So mm-hmm. those are my goals, actually. Yeah, I love that. Just change the names. No one will ever know. No, no one will ever know when I say my uncle who da-da-da-da-da. <laughs> right. And you have a – you have – like a huge family so it could be anybody so it's fine I totally support that and I mean my uncle's a comedian and he has a Netflix special where he spills half our family secrets so I mean right literally I remember watching that in college and being like Emily I did not know this about your family (laughs) actually random people came up like not random but like people who I wasn't close with would be like I remember we were at finals one time and some guy was like oh is Neil Brennan your uncle and I was like yeah and he's like okay so like is your dad like really rich from the um the trust fund and I was like first of all like my grandpa died (laughs) because for that to happen second of all why are you asking me about my family's finances we're like we don't even know each other like we Hang out at parties. That's about it. Like, oh it was my God. so weird. You're like, thanks for asking me about my trauma. Like, did you watch the rest of the special? Did you watch part two? Come on. I was going to say, I was going to say, <laughs> did you see how much turbulence that uh, trust fund caused my family? No, you didn't. Right. But yeah, it's just ask me. Because Brennan is not like a super rare last name. No. I So... I, I don't know. I don't it's know. just funny that he asked you that because it's like there's a very good chance you could have not been related. And I feel like it's more likely that I'm not related to him than yeah, I am. Absolutely. But... I mean, yeah. yeah so if, very, you, if you want to know Emily's family trauma, just uh, shout out to Neil's Netflix special. Just go watch it. Before yeah, it's you read called. It's called Three Mics. Yeah, before you read my book, that's an intro to the book. <laughs> right. Exactly. He's writing the foreword. Yeah. <laughs> um, okay, well, speaking of when we were 12 years old, today's episode, and kind of about families and trauma, <laughs> today's episode <laughs> is all about inner child work. And I know we mentioned this like here and there on the podcast, but today we wanted to spend a good amount of time talking about what it is, um, how it works, you know, all of that good stuff. Uh, but before we jump in, Ashley, I'm curious, like, what do you know about inner child work? Like, I always like to ask, not that you're my client, but I always like to ask clients, yeah. like, what do you, before I talk about it, like, what do you already know about it? Mm-hmm. So, I actually, I don't know a ton about it. I remember, not my current therapist, but a couple years ago when I lived somewhere else, my therapist brought up inner child work and I was like I have no idea what that means I just kind of assumed it was only applicable if you had some sort of like trauma or event in your childhood which obviously we'll get into is not the case everybody has an inner child and I remember her saying something to me like oh just imagine you know you're 
eight-year-old self or whatever sitting on the couch next to you and just like try to comfort her and give her a hug and I was like what <laughs> is this girl on like this is, this is so weird so I don't know the whole concept is really interesting to me I'm excited to get into it and learn some more about it yeah Ashley I feel I feel like every time I bring it up with my clients they literally give me that look like are you okay like what yeah. are you talking about inner child work like I, like no that's so crazy I always explain to people like it's gonna be a little hippy dippy but just like go with me because it's actually one of the most powerful therapeutic inventions in my opinion not in, in interventions not inventions uh, mm-hmm. out there and so yeah let's get into it and I um I actually wrote an article for my uh my company's blog if you want to check it out but so I'm gonna I'm gonna be pulling some things from that article to talk about inner child work and kind of like Ashley was saying everyone has an inner child inside of them it doesn't matter if they've had trauma or haven't had trauma we all have an inner child inside of us and I think that's why it can sound a little bit weird because it's like what do you mean I have an inner child inside of us like it's not a, obviously a real thing it's our inner child is beneath our consciousness and it Basically, it holds our unmet needs, our suppressed emotions, our traumas, and our pain from our past. It also holds our joy, our creativity, our curiosity, and the ability to play. More of like the childlike ideas that you might have in your mind when you think of a child. Yeah, the way I see it, like you said, is kind of like just another layer of your subconscious. Even if you don't want to label it as your inner child or if that terminology kind of freaks you out or if it's not clicking in your head it's just another kind of layer of your personality in your mind mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah um tr- Carl Jung actually he's a psychologist and psychiatrist and he actually term coined the term inner child when he talked about his different types of uh, parts and selves that we have within us and so that's sort of an inner child is more of like a new way of describing what like Ashley was saying like a different part of us that's beneath our consciousness and the problem is that a lot of us forget about our like that we have or we don't know where we forget about our inner child um and with when we forget about it we we continue to suppress all those emotions or all those traumas or all those pain from the childhood but though those pains and that trauma and all that doesn't go away right it stays with us stays within our bodies stays within our mind and our inner child holds it and so we're mm-hmm. just carrying around all this pain from within our inner child right and the way I kind of think about it as well I'm not sure if this is going to make sense so try to follow me you know those okay. like nesting dolls where there's like a small doll inside a bigger one inside a bigger one but that's kind of how I see it is like Everybody has an inner child, like the innermost layer of yourself, where you learn how to cope with your emotions and kind of like a blank slate. You're literally learning everything in your childhood, how to communicate, how relationships work, things like that. And then, you know, that doll kind of goes inside and then you have your teenage self and your adult self and the layers and layers and layers. And there's different ways to describe that, but that's just kind of how I think about it inside my head and picture it. I love that. 
I've never thought about it that way, but I'm going to steal that and use that for my clients. Oh, maybe, I should, maybe I'll order one of those from Amazon. And um, yeah, <laughs> um, no, because that's a really good way to describe it because that's what I was saying is that we forget, right? And we just, as we age, we have all these responsibilities and all these things going on in our life that sometimes we can not just suppress our emotions and our pain from our past, but like forget to be joyful, right? Forget to mm-hmm. be curious, forget to nourish ourselves and our inner child. And so that's why I think it's such powerful uh, therapeutic work is because we all have, whether you have trauma or not, you have pain from your past, right? Or you have messages that you've received that are hurtful and that you've carried into your life. Like it doesn't have to be just like, you know, when we think of like trauma, like those, the big events, right? It can be anything that you still hanging on to. You're carrying those wounds into adulthood. And you know, that can, that can be really damaging because then you're seeing the lens from a child, seeing the world through a child's lens, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And just to give an example of some inner child work that I worked on myself that I didn't even realize was bothering me well into adulthood was in middle school, I had this volleyball coach that was just like so mean and cruel to me. She hated me for some mm-hmm. reason. And I was so timid and shy and I just like was non-confrontational. Anybody that like knows me from a young age knows that I was just like so shy and would never talk back to teachers or coaches or anything like that. And she just hated me because I wasn't really athletic and she treated me like absolute like human garbage and would like talk about me to my teammates and talk about how bad I was and how I didn't try, which was just not true at all. Like maybe I wasn't that skilled, but I definitely tried really hard. And I noticed as I was working through therapy is that at that really developmental age of like 12 or 13, being berated and kind of degraded by an adult really hurt my psyche growing up. And I was always like terrified up until probably a year or two ago of any sort of confrontation. I was always afraid to go out of my comfort zone and try something new because the one time I did when I was young, I was just like bashed on for like six months and treated like shit. And I had to work on that inner child and kind of work with my therapist to tell my younger self, like, I didn't deserve that. It's okay. I'm able to just move on. I don't know. Inner child work is so interesting depending on what approach your therapist is going to Mm -hmm. take to it. I'm sure everybody's a little bit different on, like how you approach it, but it really can be revolutionary once you realize like, oh yeah, maybe I act out in this way because of one event in my childhood that I didn't unlock or never even, you know, recalled until somebody started poking and prodding and asking what could cause that. Yeah, exactly. And you're right. Every therapist probably has a different approach to inner child work and there's really no like one right way to do it it's sort of you got to know your client right you got to know what works for them and know what they've experienced um and yeah actually because when someone's when an adult is berating you it doesn't matter who the adult is you're gonna form those messages in your mind that like why well, I, I must be must be me then right because because when we're kids we tr- we have to make sense of the 
things that are happening to us. And so oftentimes we blame ourselves, right? Because we can't, especially when it comes to a parent. And I, used to, I know you said this wasn't a parent, but especially when it comes to a parent, we can't make sense of the fact that like, okay, my, um, the reason my mom is hurt being rude to me right now is because she's hurting, right? Mm-hmm. Like that generational trauma. Like we can't make sense of that when we're kids or teenagers. And so we often internalize it to be like, well, I must suck or I must not be good enough or there must be something wrong with me. And then those messages get reinforced and we carry those into adulthood and then that can impact literally almost everything we do, right? Our confidence, our, our, you know, our ability to do well in school and in work and to have healthy relationships. Like, and you're right. That's why inner child work is so revolutionary because if you start to understand where that comes from, then you can unlearn those messages and be like, wait, no, yeah, like you were saying, I didn't deserve that. That wasn't my fault. Like they, they had their own stuff and they were putting it on me and that wasn't fair. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And it can, like Emily said, it could be a parent, it could be anybody in a leadership position. It could, I even talked to other people about, you know, they were bullied by their peers in oh, grade yeah. school, middle school, high school, and that can affect you well into adulthood. Because we're really learning like our emotional intelligence at that young age and carrying it into well into adulthood unless we're able to kind of address that behavior and course correct. Absolutely. I had one bully from fourth grade to eighth grade and it was horrible. He was so mean to me. I was, um, I was a bigger child, so it was always about my weight. Like almost every day there was comments about my weight and like that's gonna affect somebody right when they're constantly going to school and being told that they're too big or that they like they can't he would tell me like I'm the slowest person in gym class like it was pretty horrible stuff and so my inner child definitely was hurt right and I definitely had to be like you know what that was really shitty when I got older and I started therapy like I was really shitty that I was bullied at school, especially at a Catholic school where it's supposed to be like everyone is so nice and welcoming and holy and religious, right? Like he bullied me every single day and it Mm -hmm. was, it was horrible. Right. And so I carried that wound. It's part of the reason, you know, I talked about having an eating disorder, but being bullied about your body for four years is going to be hard. Right. Absolutely. Especially at a young age when you can't really do anything about it. Right. Like, sorry that I don't have the body that you want me to have I'm 12 right (laughs) right exactly oh gosh I'm sorry you went through that and that's why you know when I see kids just for example I'll just say like kids in my family being rude or being hurtful to other kids I'm like you know I'm not a parent so I try not to judge but you gotta try to get that into their heads that that behavior even if they're just doing it don't dismiss it as being oh they're just young or they're just a teenager or whatever because that stuff can affect the person that they're talking to for the rest of their lives whether they you know realize it or not because there's people that were mean to me you know luckily I wasn't bullied but you know people that would make comments to me in middle school or high school from time to time and like I still remember that shit oh yeah like 15 years later because language is powerful like Mm -hmm. I hate the um what's that like six like six and stones will 
Like, what's that saying? Like, oh, it's sticks like, and stones may break my bones, but words will never hurt me. That's a fucking lie. No! Lie! Like, <laughs> language is the most powerful thing we have, so of course it's going to hurt us when people say that to us. So, like, I hate, I hate that, because, like, I'd rather right. have my bone broken than be told I'm fat for four years of my life. Like, no right. thank you. Like, the emotional was- wound can be much worse than the physical one. Let's be uh, honest. Most physical wounds do recover. It's way harder harder to recover from emotional wounds and I I talked about um I don't know if I have talked about like going to treatment for my um eating disorder on this podcast I know we did it on um Kayla's podcast but Mm -hmm. in treatment I cried so so much and a lot of that crying was for younger younger Emily because she she went through so so much right between like my sexual abuse and the bullying at school and everything else going on in my family like she went through a lot and like she Mm -hmm. had nobody and so that I think that's why I love inner child work is because inner child work is about the idea of you can be the parent for your child that you never had right or you can be the adult for your inner child that you needed but didn't have and that's why I love it because I think it can be really powerful it's called reparenting it goes along with inner child work actually not sure if you're familiar with that um but essentially the term is reparenting and it's it's like responding to yourself in the way that you wish a supportive parent would have responded to you does that Mm -hmm. make sense yeah definitely and kind of like you said earlier you can even use that terminology even if it wasn't a parent that hurt you even if right. it was somebody at school or on a sports team or daycare like whatever it was it's still applicable no matter what the situation it's kind of like you're repairing the foundation of yourself yeah absolutely yes i love how you put that because you yeah reparenting does, yeah it doesn't have to be a parent it could just be like Sometimes I ask my clients to ask themselves, okay, if you're in that situation and you're hurting, what would you want a healthy adult? Like, because you're a child, so you you don't know how to emotionally cope with your, your emotions or what's happening to you. And so what would you want a healthy adult to say to you in that moment, right? And that could look different depending on the situation. But that's one of the ways that you can practice inner child work is by asking yourself, okay, I'm hurting because X, Y, and Z is happening what would a healthy adult say? And you might not know, right? And that's where like the therapist can help you out depending on the situation. But yeah, it's important to to check in with yourself and be like, I'm needing something right now. What is it? Mm-hmm. And ther- er, inner child work, in a way, almost reminds me of trauma work. I'm sure they're pretty closely interconnected in a lot of situations because you really have to I'm sure as a therapist, like dig down deep with your clients. And do you notice a lot that people won't even realize that they need inner child work or maybe like repressed memories or situations and don't even realize that, hey, this is what is causing this reaction 20 years later? Absolutely. So the first time I ever heard about inner child work was in my internship during grad school. I worked at a um, intensive outpatient program treatment center, and it was for sex addiction. And a lot of the clientele that went there were older um, men, 
just you know older men that was our we had you know of course some women and um you know different people there but our general population was men and they were often like very successful like businessmen in their 50s and 60s and one of their assignments was to go to build a bear and build their inner child oh I know I can't tell you the amount of resistance that we received to doing this like they and and we would make them carry the Build-A-Bear around with them throughout the whole week they would come um, to Arizona for a week and so much resistance because to go to Build-A-Bear as a grown adult that like and you're not with the child like that takes courage Right. right and so not only did we have to deal with their resistance, right? And I love the ones that, like, really dressed up their Build-A-Bear. Like, the most resistant ones would just be, like, just a bear, right? And, like, no clothes, right. no shoes, no fun accessories. But the, <laughs> ones, the ones who got into it, I was like, yes, like, that – your inner child probably wanted to dress like that, but maybe you weren't allowed to express yourself, right? Right. But uh, I remember this one time we were sitting in group, and the, um, the group leader asked one of the clients to – take out his bear, hold it on his lap and talk to it. And he resisted so hard. He was like, no, I'm not doing that. So stupid. Like I'm not talking to a, you know, fucking teddy bear, as he said. And the group leader was like, it's, that's your inner child. Like you need to talk to your inner child. Like they're hurting. And he just kept resisting. And he was like, I'm going to need you to do this. So he was like, fine, whatever. Cause I don't want you to keep berating me. And it took him a couple of minutes, but by two minutes in, he was sobbing. Like, Aww. it was one of the most powerful, like, I get emotional thinking about it because it was one of the most powerful displays of emotion I've ever seen. Like, he was so vulnerable and he he remembered things from his childhood, right? And sure, that was really mm-hmm. painful, but he remembered how hurt he was as a child and how much attention that child needed because they were so hurt. and. I know that was kind of a long story, but it was it was just one of the most powerful moments of, I think, my graduate years because I've never yeah. seen, like, a, a grown man speak to a teddy bear and get so emotional. Mm-hmm. No, I really appreciate that story because I think that's a perfect anecdote to a lot of people are probably resistant to inner child work or trauma work or going to therapy at all because they know that it might bring up some shit that they don't want to address and stuff that it's really valid. Like it can be extremely painful and there's so much of a stigma around, Oh, like something happened in your childhood, just get over it. Or it's not a big deal. Or, you know, you live and you learn everything happens for a reason. All these kind of scenes that we have. And it's like, no, even if something happened to you 50 years ago, that was painful like your feelings are valid no matter how you feel how you felt then how you've dealt with it since then how you feel now and that's that story is kind of why i was i guess correlating inner child work and trauma in my head because i feel like in that story that you just told us like i'm sure it was very interconnected and like it's probably that way with so many clients because I feel like a lot of people, especially the older generation, I feel like our generation is a lot more luckily like into going to therapy and working on intergenerational trauma, which is great. But I know like I've talked to so many 
friends that are like, yeah, my parents and my family just never talk about anything. We just sweep everything under the rug. There's so much shit that goes on in our family or stuff, you know, traumatizing things that have happened and we just absolutely don't talk about it. So I'm sure it's very, like so much more prevalent for everybody than you can imagine. Ashley, think about what not being able to talk about years and years of pain does to a person, right? Like mm-hmm. if you were, grew up in a family where you brush, brush everything under the rug, one, you're learning that it's not okay to, even if you're not told, like it's not okay to have emotions. If you're not allowed to talk about things, if the family norm is we keep it in the family and we don't even bring it up within the family. We just kind of, we all know what's happening, right? We, right. Just, don't talk, we just don't talk about it. You learn that, okay, th- this is how, this is normal. This is how you get through life. And then until you have something that's like, okay, no, I actually should probably look at some of the things or talk about some of the things I went to, went through, you're just going to carry that in. And that's what a new mm-hmm. child theory says is that you just keep holding on to all that stuff and that affects how you see the world it affects every part of your life because you have all that pain and like I said it doesn't have to be these huge big traumas like I mentioned my sexual abuse like it doesn't have to be things like that in order for your inner child to probably need some attention and some healing Mm -hmm. absolutely and I can absolutely relate to you know families just sweeping stuff under the rug or saying it's not a big deal or whatever and I feel like that's so universal to a lot of families and that's I think why I'm so passionate about like this podcast and wanting to work in the mental health field because I love telling people you know what happened to you is not normal and it's not okay and it's okay for you to go to therapy it's okay for you to need help and I think what I notice a lot of the time is people that don't really have like a knowledge of psychology or mental health or people talking to them about it don't even realize that something happened to them or that what they're going through is not normal. Do you ever see that in your practice? Like, you know, somebody comes to you with some sort of problem or manifest, you know, that's manifesting in their life and you're like, oh yeah, that's not, maybe we need to like peel the layers back here. (laughs) Yes, absolutely. Uh, So as a trauma therapist and kind of like in the trauma therapist world, we joke that like we think everything is trauma. (laughs) So like if somebody somebody comes to you with like depression or anxiety, like immediately, I don't say this out loud immediately, but immediately in my head, I'm like, all right, what happened? What'd your parents do to you? Like, what, what happened in your childhood? And, you know, as I say this, I do feel the need to give the disclaimer that I always give to my clients is this is not about blaming your parents like the, or your right. caregivers or the adults in your life. Because I think a lot of people don't want to talk poorly about their parents. And I get that. Like, I don't want to blame my and I don't blame my parents for what happened to me. Right. However, it's an explanation right? It's not right. blame. It's it's an explanation for how your childhood or your younger younger adult years, because that's another thing. Inner child work can also be like you yesterday, right? Like it's any mm-hmm. part of your younger self that has stuff to deal with. But yeah, it's not about blaming. It's about an explanation. And so, you know, as I build that rapport with clients, like we're slowly peel back the layers to like, 
what happened to them or like what messages they've received or like different things that led to their circumstances now. Do you notice that there's different lengths of time that inner child work can take? Like for someone, could it be as little as one session and moving on? And some people it could take weeks, months. So personally, I'm a believer in that healing our inner child is a lifelong journey and no that doesn't mean like we have to be in therapy and doing it with a therapist lifelong but like a lot of times when you get you have messages that come up in your mind like I'm not good enough or like I'm ugly or like I'm a loser like whatever those those really you know self-deprecating thoughts are that may be where you need to give your inner child some attention right and so I don't necessarily like know if there's a timeline like some sessions I'll spend just talking about inner child work and then another session will do this so I would say that it really depends on the client but I like to say that I don't think it's ever like you're never done you're never done growing up right like we're always aging which means that we're always going to have a younger part of ourselves and we never know like what the world is going to bring us and so we might need to be checking in with your inner child. That's how I always phrase it to clients. Like, just check in. Like, see if what's happening or what's coming up for you could be related to, you know, a younger part of you that's hurting. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's extremely true. And that reminds me of, you know, it could be different parts of your childhood. It doesn't have to necessarily be, like, from age six to seven or just one event. Right. Because And different stuff comes up all the time because I was talking to my therapist about how I have really bad anxiety and that's tied to a couple things. But one of them is she was like, oh, didn't you live in Brazil when you were really young? Like I was four years old and I lived in uh, Sao Paulo, which is just like a really dangerous city. We lived in a gated community. We literally had a bodyguard with us all the time and just living there, like, I'm very pale, I have light blonde hair, like, I just stuck out, so people always knew that we were not from there, and, I mean, like, we were walking around with a bodyguard, it was scary, it was just, like, a dangerous, felt like a stressful, dangerous situation at all times, and I was never allowed to, like, go anywhere or do anything, because we didn't speak the language, we weren't from there we didn't know where we were going etc cetera, etc cetera. and she's like that's probably like one of the reasons that you have anxiety because when you were so young you were literally in danger or felt like you were in danger at least every day I'm like huh that is so true <laughs> yeah I knew you lived in Brazil but I didn't know it was like that while you were mm-hmm. there Yeah, I mean, that's a pretty intense environment at such a young age. Even if you don't remember all of it, you can probably remember the feelings. Um, Mm -hmm. And that actually, like, is something else that I bring up with inner child work is that sometimes people are like, I don't remember events, right? And it's like, you probably don't have to remember the event to remember how you felt, right? right? Or the belief that you formed about yourself. So can you tap into what it was like to feel lonely in childhood or what it was like to feel made fun of, right? Or what it was like to feel unheard. I think a lot of children have that experience because of that, you know, very old age, like children are to be seen, not heard. Like a lot Mm -hmm. of parents still installed that in their children. And so sometimes they just, that 
inner child just wants to be heard, right? Or mm-hmm. and so you being able to give that to your um, to your adult self now is also giving it to your inner child. And do you think there's a way as adults now, whether we're parents or nannies or just have younger people in our families and in our lives that we can kind of help, I guess, facilitate childhoods that they might necessarily not have to like do such intense, uh, inner child work later. And I know (laughs) I probably didn't word that well because like I was saying, it's not always like the parents fault or one, it could be one person or somebody they go to school with or whatever, but just kind of helping, I guess I should say, give them tools to aid. Yeah, absolutely. One, I think we, us healing ourselves is the best gift that we can give to our children. Like, I'm totally kidding when I say this, but I think you should have to go to therapy before having kids. (laughs) (laughs) I would love that. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) um, I mean, it's just so beneficial. I know, I know. But there are also other ways to heal yourself. Like, obviously, as a therapist, I'm I'm biased. But, no, I think, one, like, healing ourselves and healing our inner child is one of the best ways to – help that help your children or like younger generations because then you're not carrying because that's what intergenerational trauma is it's like you even if your parents like you don't have the trauma that your parents have if they don't heal themselves they you carry that trauma like that gets like we're carrying the trauma of world war ii and the depression even though we didn't experience those ourselves but if our parents went through them or our grandparents went through them that gets passed down and so mm-hmm. healing ourselves is such a great gift that we can give not only to ourselves of course but also to the next generation even if we choose not to have kids we're still having an impact on the world right um, but just just and i talk about this in my article but just like we le- need to learn how to hold a spoon how to walk, how to talk, how to do literally everything. We also need tools to cope with our emotions. We need to be taught that it's okay to have emotions. Any emotion doesn't matter what it is. And we need to be taught like, hey, this is how, when you're sad, you might need a good cry or you might need a hug or you might need some alone time or you might need to journal. Like, I think we treat kids as way more dumb than they actually are. Like kids are smart kids are little humans and so they know if something doesn't feel right and so if they're told like yeah don't feel that way that's going to stick with them and it's going to help it, they're going to lose trust within themselves uh, mm-hmm. so I know that was a long answer but I I'm so passionate about inner child work and about healing intergenerational trauma obviously since that's what I want my book to be about <laughs> but I could I could talk about it forever And are there ways to do this outside of therapy as well? Say if somebody's like, oh, yeah, I could probably work on this a little bit, but I'm not necessarily ready to dive deep into therapy right away. Or do you just suggest working with uh, somebody that can kind of help them, guide them through those emotions? Yeah, I mean, I like I said, I'm biased, so I always suggest reaching out to a professional um, if you, you know, want to do the inner work, but I know that, you know, there are, um, people out there who therapy is not for them or they don't have the access to therapy. So the kind of like what I was saying before is like checking in with yourself to be like, I wonder like what, 
what is coming up for me right now and if this could be related to my a younger part of me or a, a part of my life that I experienced when I was younger and then asking yourselves like okay what do I need as an adult and that could also soothe my inner child like a lot of it is like soothing think about like a child right like if they're hurt if they scrape their knee you want to hug them right like you want right. to be like it's okay like you're okay like I'm here for you and so I know that's why I think inner child work can sound so weird because it's like, what do you mean talk to myself, talk to an eight-year-old? Like, no, that's so weird, but it, it it's so incredibly healing because inner child work is also a form of self-compassion. And like we did a whole self-compassion, epi- self-compassion episode where we talked about how powerful not only physically but also mentally self-compassion is. So if you're tending and soothing your inner child, it's one of the best ways to be self-compassionate. So, and if you're other way around, right? If you're self-compassionate to yourself, your inner child is hearing that and they're loving it. Like they're loving that you're being self-compassionate to the adult self, even if they didn't get it as a child. Does that make mm-hmm. sense? Yeah, absolutely. And I think it's so important. Like we're both really passionate about, you can be any age and work on your inner child. You could be 75. It's not too late. It's okay. We did- like. Yeah, we did have 75-year-old men that would come to therapy that had kids, grandkids, they were retired, but it, it wasn't too late for them. And so, yeah, it's never too late. Mm-hmm. That's definitely a stigma that I've run into before is people saying like, oh, you know, I'm well into adulthood or I already had kids and raised them, whatever. It's too late for me. I'm never going to change. And that is sh- it's just simply not true. I mean, just think about right. what could be on the other side of the door once you work through those hard topics. And we do want to emphasize, like, it can be very triggering. It can be extremely tough to go navigate through those emotions, which is why I think that we're such big advocates for working with a licensed professional therapist or psychologist to do this, because we just want to make sure that you have somebody there for you, somebody that's non-biased and only there to support you. That's also somebody that's not in your family or your friend group that you can totally trust and is totally confidential to kind of give you those tools of like, okay, you're feeling this way today. Here's how we can work through it and move past it and have those tools because it can be overwhelming depending on you know every case is different Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. absolutely it could definitely be overwhelming and and triggering it because you're you have to look inwards right like actually like we have to lift like the one doll over the other doll and then keep lifting right so it can definitely be really difficult and like Ashley said that's why we always advocate for reaching out to a professional but like I was saying, like inner child work is a form of self-compassion and, you know, self-compassion is a form of inner child work. Like they're very similar and both of them are so healing, like, and, mm-hmm. you know, and they're not something you get to either. You don't get to a destination of, all right, I'm, my inner child is healed. My self, I'm the most right. self-compassionate I can be. <laughs> like we live in a really hard world, right? And just, that's just a matter of fact. And so we're always going to need self-compassion and we're probably always going to need inner child work, even if we haven't had really tough things happen to us. Like personally, like we just went through two, like we're going through a pandemic, right? So right. it's like, we're always going to need to 
work through the things that we've been through in our past. Right, exactly. And this conversation reminds me a lot of Armchair Expert and Dax Shepard is always talking about, he's not necessarily using the terminology inner child work, but he's always talking about like abuse that he went through as a child and as a teenager and, you know, difficult family dynamics and sexual abuse and how that manifested into alcohol and drug abuse as an adult. So I definitely recommend, I mean, you could listen to any of his episodes and he'll definitely speak on it. And that's a really good resource because you don't always realize how this stuff in childhood is manifesting into adulthood. And a lot of times I think that does manifest into addictions, kind of like you were talking about the sex addiction. Oh yeah, absolutely. And for me, it was an eating disorder, right? Mm -hmm. So it's going to, it's likely going to be something anxiety, depression, because we're not meant to sustain those kind of things that happen to us as human beings. Like we're not. And so we're going to develop coping skills in order to continue to survive. And sometimes those coping skills can be drugs, alcohol, food or restriction of food or um, super high anxiety because that's what gets us through life or people pleasing or, you know, I just can't get through life more like depression based symptoms. So yeah, Mm -hmm. it's going to manifest in some way. And so being able to take the time to heal those younger parts of you and heal the parts of you now, it's a hundred percent worth it. Even if it is, it is, it is the most difficult thing I've ever done is heal myself. And, and then I would, you know, actually I wouldn't do it all over again because that was really hard, (laughs) but I don't regret it. Right. No, I feel you. You you wouldn't necessarily want to go through the day to day again, but if given the opportunity, you're glad that you did it. Yes. I would definitely not want to go through the day to day because it's, we could talk about this on another episode, but sometimes the healing is harder than the actual trauma or the experience Mm -hmm. that uh, because all those coping skills were covering up the trauma right. or the the painful experiences. So sometimes when you take those away, the healing can hurt, like to put it. Right. Yeah. It's I like a raw, to put it. like a raw injury, like you're ripping the bandaid off and it's just, you know, you're just laying there completely raw. Right. Right. I feel like this is yeah. a weird time to end. Like, <laughs> you're laying there completely wrong. But. <laughs> well, just remember, you know, like we said, we absolutely encourage talking to a licensed professional. And just remember, even if it's difficult to talk about or even if you don't know where to start. Like, I didn't – Emily, I don't think either of us really knew – exactly where to start when we started going to therapy or we could point to this one thing and be like this is it this is what happened to me it doesn't it doesn't matter just you know go or talk to a trusted friend loved one somebody that you can confide in and just take those steps because it's not your fault what happened to you is not your fault and there are ways to heal your inner child and move on from it Absolutely. And your trauma is not your fault, but your healing is your responsibility. Um, And Ashley, I feel like this episode kind of sums up the name of our podcast. Like, because we went to therapy, we can say all this. Right, exactly. Like, if we hadn't 
have ever gone to therapy, we wouldn't realize, oh, we do this because of that. Mm-hmm. It, mm-hmm. We would be totally different people. And we were five years ago. Absolutely. And this is why I love having a non-therapist as my co-host because I'm bi- I'm completely biased and I've said that like six times tonight, but yeah. Ashley, <laughs> Ashley's not a therapist. She's just a therapy goer, an yes. advocate. <laughs> yeah, so I can definitely see from the other side and kind of ask the ignorant questions about what is inner child work and... <laughs> No, no, not ignorant at all. You're just learning, and that's okay. I mean, I'm still learning. I don't know everything either, and, like, that's one of the things I love about my field is that I'm constantly learning. Mm-hmm. And it's it's evolving all the time. Like, we're figuring out, like you, we talked about oh, in yeah. the episode last week with the DSM adding the cell phone addiction or oh social gosh. media addiction. Yeah. Like, it's constant. <laughs> we're constantly adding mental illnesses, so... <laughs> Exactly. But thank you, everyone, so much for tuning in. As always, if anything it was really um, upsetting to hear or to um, if anything was triggered or activated within you, please reach out to somebody. And we really appreciate you tuning in. If you enjoyed this episode, please leave us a review and give us a rating. It really helps out the episode. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And, uh, we have kind of developed an awesome catalog of older episodes. We have a lot of episodes on friendship, especially, which seem to be doing the best out of all topics we ever talk about, like female and adult friendships. Do, do you guys want yeah, more? Do you guys want more episodes on friendships? <laughs> because those just do way better than everything else. So I guess Let we us have know. a lot of girlies on here. Yeah. <laughs> For the girls, because we went to therapy for the girls. For no. the girls. Female edition. All- the girls room. Yeah. <laughs> no, we're here for all genders. We love all people. And um, yes. yeah, make sure to check out our Instagram because we went to therapy. And we will talk to you guys next week. All right. Love you, Em. Love you, Ash. Bye.